On this Reformation Sunday, we stand in honor of reading of God's Word, coming to us from the second letter to Timothy, the fourth chapter. Paul is saying goodbye at the end of this letter, and he's reflecting on potentially his, even his own death. And he says this, as for me, I am being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. For now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for, the, for his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a wonderful movie that I was thinking about so much this past week when I heard that scripture, Keeping the Faith. It's a movie called Keeping the Faith. It was one of those romantic comedies from about the year 2000. And it has some familiar faces. Ben Stiller plays a New York City rabbi. And his best friend, Edward Norton, plays a Catholic priest. And they're buddies. And then they had a third friend, Jenna Elfman's character. Well, that character, Jenna Elfman's character, the girl, she moves back to New York City. And that's kind of the premise of the whole movie, that there's a a rabbi and a priest, and, well, you kind of know where this is going. They fall in love with the same girl. Now, that might sound a little far-fetched, right? A priest and a rabbi walk into a, and they fall in love with the same girl? But friends, you've got to know, you've told me stories. You've told me lots of stories. Lots of stories about the things that have gone on in your life. Stories about your family. Stories about the work of God. That if you were to say them out loud to someone else, they might look at you and say... That sounds a little far-fetched, too. But I tell you what, we all have stories, and that's what's amazing about what it means to be church in this time and place. Maybe you grew up like Ben Stiller, where you didn't really grow up in the Christian religion. There was some other faith that was central to your family's story. Or maybe you were like Edward Norton's family, where you grew up Roman Catholic, and for lots of really good reasons, you made the journey here to Bethlehem Lutheran Church. Or maybe your family was more like Jenna Elfman's, which was, there was no faith. There was no conversation about spirituality, church, religion, Jesus. None of that happened at home while you were growing up. But somehow, for some reason, we're all here today in the same place. Because the Reformation 
really is asking the question, what kind of church is God calling us to be in this time and place? What kind of church is God calling us to be, given that we're all these different stories of our past? And I'm just so glad that we're all here today to wonder about that. Well, when we answer that question, what kind of church are we? You know, we don't really start with our larger group of churches, our denomination that we're a part of. What makes us a church is Jesus Christ. It's him crucified and risen from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. That is the story that defines who we are. And Jesus then goes on to give us this incredible, life-changing invitation. And it's so simple, right? And yet so challenging. It's follow me. Follow me to work. Follow me into the combine. Follow me to the friend's house. Follow me every time you pull out a credit card. Follow me to school. Follow me to daycare. Wherever it is, Jesus invites us to follow him. So what does that look like? And for us who claim the Lutheran tradition, well, we just believe that there's some delicious, extra tasty, crispy ingredients that we've added to being church together. What are they? They're the word and the sacraments, right? (laughs) They're the word and the sacraments. Sacraments being baptism and communion, God's word meaning Jesus himself, the scripture and the good news. Why does this matter? That we as Bethlehem Lutheran have defined ourselves for the last 500 years even as being around God's word and the sacraments. Well, it's because you tell me stories, okay? You tell me stories. And one of the stories that you've told me a lot about in the last couple weeks has been that maybe you have someone in your life, whether at work or um, in your family, that's a little bit like Dwight Schrute from The Office, This person that loves to trap you into conversations, right? And literally, when they trap you, you're just waiting for them to look sideways so you can literally run, like, (laughs) literally run away, right? And Dwight is just so knowledgeable about religion. He knows everything there is to know about his faith, and you know what? That's the right way to talk about it. And he wants to make sure you know that too. And so Dwight comes up to you typically with a question. Are you saved? Uh, and I've had so many conversations with you where you've said it feels like you've been pushed back on your heels because you're not sure how to respond to that question, are you saved? It's a good one, and it's an interesting one, right? But more importantly, what do you do with Dwight? You still got to work with him? (laughs) He's still part of your family? They're not going anywhere. It's still a part of our journey. Well, what makes Bethlehem, Bethlehem, remember, is that we've added the delicious, extra tasty, crispy ingredients to our church, which is God's word and the sacraments. And those really are ways that God has chosen to show God's grace to us, to show God's incredible love to us. Or another way to say it is to look at it like this. It's to say that God's word always points us to God's work, not us. God's word always points us to God's work. God's work, not us. That's a big deal to realize that. 
Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. Have you noticed that when you have been a part of this church forever as long or however short as you've been a member here at Bethlehem, have we ever asked you the question, have you made a personal decision to, to follow Jesus Christ? Have you made Jesus the center? Have you? No, we've never asked you that question actually and there's a reason why. Because who is the subject of that question? It's you. It's me. Well, if you look at the values of what we believe as a church, the very first value is that Jesus is the center of our church. Friends, we can't have Jesus at the center of our lives and ourselves. You can't have them both. And so we're just ruthlessly honest about the fact that there's always going to be a competition a competition in our hearts for who is at the center between Jesus and ourselves. We just tell the truth about that. And so 500 years ago, Martin Luther made saved by grace through faith the absolute cornerstone of what it means to be a person of faith. Why? Because we can't be at the center. And here's the words that he used to talk about it. When talking about the creed, he said, I believe I cannot by my own understanding or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. The only way that we're called to faith is through the what? The Holy Spirit. It's through the gospel. It's through that good news that God is for us, even when our lives are just a mess all over the floor. That is such good news. Why? Because it's about God's loving on purpose decision for you, not our decision. God's loving on purpose decision for you, for me. Here's how St. Paul got to it, though, in our reading from 2 Timothy. At the very beginning of his letter, he's kind of talking about running around the Mediterranean where he was preaching the good news, sharing faith, telling stories, and he's starting to get in trouble. He was upending the communities that he was visiting with this good news about Jesus. And so he writes to the community and says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners of whom I am the worst so that we may receive eternal life. Receive eternal life. If you notice, who is at the subject of the sentence of every piece of that scripture? It's Jesus Christ coming into the world. It's Jesus Christ who shows mercy. It is Jesus Christ who displays immense patience. It's Jesus Christ who gives so that we may receive. It's a big deal to realize that Jesus is the center. That Jesus is the one who gives us God's unconditional love, mercy, and grace. And when we trust that promise, our lives are changed. Our lives are changed. So at the end of the letter, Paul is writing about his eventual death, and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Friends, lots of times I think when we talk about keeping the faith, I think it's more about struggling with power and control as if we can control and have power over everything in our lives. But friends, that's not true. 
In fact, even in Luther's day, they struggled with power and control all the time. People would come to the church and say, I would like to be forgiven. How much does it cost? They'd literally pull out a sack of coins and say, how much forgiveness will this buy me? Because we desperately want power and control. Well, Luther could not stand having God's grace controlled and locked up by a bunch of rules. And so he said, we must be set free. Set free. So then what do we do when Dwight tries to strike up a conversation with us, right? Let's practice our faith for a minute. What do we do when Dwight strikes up a conversation with us? When we feel trapped, when we don't know what to say, when he asks us the question, are you saved? Well, first and foremost, we have to realize that Dwight, as sincere and as big of a heart he probably has, is that he doesn't really want to have an honest conversation with us. He just wants to mark us off on his scorecard. That, oh, I got another one. Check. As opposed to just knowing your story and loving you for the neighbor that you are. We have to realize that. So what is it that we can respond? Here, try this. How about you first say yes? <laughs> yes. Right? Um, he's probably not going to like that. <laughs> Honestly, because... He doesn't want you to say that. He wants a different answer. He wants to do something else to you. Well, just realize, yes. And then you can say, I'm saved by grace through faith. That is who we are. You can say, I'm a child of God, and I'm trying to love God and to love my neighbor as myself. And God says, that is enough. It's not about having tons of things stuck in your head to pull out, to throw at people. It's about trusting that God is enough for you here. And so here's a little example. I'm going to show you a quick little video about where I was thinking this past week when it came to this whole grace thing. Check this out. God's grace is not a treat that we dangle in front of someone to try to control them. God's grace is not something that we hang in front of someone and say, well, you have to do something, you have to say something, you have to pray something, you have to do something to earn God's grace. Because what if I get hungry again? What if I make mistakes the next moment? Is God really have loved me? That's why we can be confident that saved by grace through faith is the absolute cornerstone of this good news. There's nothing you had to do. That old movie, Keeping the Faith, right? About the priest and the rabbi and the girl. <laughs> Why did I use that? It's because we have so many competing stories in our lives about what we should do and what we should do with our attention. But friends, saved by grace through faith, it's the antidote to the all-about-me religion. This is such good news. This is what the Reformation staked itself upon. So people of Bethlehem, run the race, keep the faith, but trust God's amazing grace even more. Don't let Dwight bully you around. 
In fact, don't be Dwight. Let's simply love people into God's incredible kingdom and trust that grace all the more. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to God for each and every one of you. Amen.